Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Women in Pop podcast. I'm Danny DePorto, and I hope you're all well today. We're pretty excited because today on the show, we're welcoming a legit Aussie legend. She's a musician. She plays instruments, writes songs, and sings. She's an award-winning actress, a writer, a radio presenter, a feminist, of course, a mother. There's actually nothing this woman can't do. We are, of course, talking about the one and only, the talented Claire Bowditch. Claire, hello. Welcome to Women in Pop. Oh, howdy-do. It's always so um, disconcerting when I hear myself introduced with those things. And I think I would hate me if I didn't know me. (laughs) That sounds a lot. um, That sounds like you've done a lot of things. But really, it's just one at a time. So thank you for having me. And right now, I'm just thrilled to be here with you. Look, I'm going to put more pressure on your shoulders. Hit me. Not just amazing as an individual, but of course, quite an ambassador for us women. You uh, last week on International Women's Day launched your awesome new single, the feminist anthem, Woman. Thank you. I mean, besides being a banging track, it's uh, packed full of good messages, hey? Well, look, it's something that came to me four years ago as a very clear, um, you know, 1am song after I've been out with my lady mates, with my gal pal, on a cheeky Tuesday night drinks. You know, so we snuck out of the house, as you do. Didn't look behind us. Farewell now. Take care, said to the children, and off we went. And I was sitting there with them. I had the anxiety high in my neck, as often it sits right there and always has my whole life. And what I needed was to be with my women and to have honest conversations about what was going on with us. And often when I hear them talking about their struggles... I'm right in there. Um, I'm saying to them, listen, babe, I hear you. We need you. You know, the world needs you. Get out there and show us who you are. And I was having trouble saying the same thing to myself. I went home that night and this song popped out and it felt strong and like it needed a little time to marinate. So hello, 2019. (laughs) And hello, woman. Let's hear it now. All right, so the song it sounds very groovy, sophisticated, pop. It's very inspiring. Tell us about the music video. Was that also inspired by your Gals Night Out? The video itself came purely from the vision of an extraordinary, young, talented filmmaker in Melbourne called Lucy Knox. Actually, she's from all over. She travels all over the world. But her work is stunning. Uh, her work in short film caught my eye. And when she was pitched as someone who might be able to tell the story of woman and we met and had a chat, uh, I knew pretty much straight away that she was the one for this role. And what I did with Lucy is something that I have been guilty of not doing in the past. In the past, I've had my finger in every single pie. You heard that in the intro, um, you know, trying to sort of control how this story is told or put my two cents in or whatever. With this, this one, I thought, I get you, Lucy, you get me, off you go. What do you need from me to make this work? And she said, okay, I need you to show up on this one particular day. This is my vision. What do you think? I said, we're done. This is done. I I need I need not ever um, have a single finger in this pie. And she presented this extraordinarily moving and beautiful piece about all of us, you know, our, 
the father who loves his daughter and wants nothing more than for her to shine. Um, the older woman, the younger woman, we're all different sizes, shapes, nationalities, ethnicities, religious groups, and we are there together saying, this is who we are. And we're not needing to apologise anymore. So we're seeing a young girl shine with her lizard, uh, a, a woman shave her hair off, um, an older woman on a bucking horse. It's just such a beautiful vision, all on film. And the thing that I love about Lucy is she was so dedicated to telling this story in this clip. She even drove the film canisters from Melbourne to Sydney herself just to make sure they were correctly processed. So oh. Her and her crew, hats off. Uh, us girls will go the extra mile. I mean, you're touching there on a lot of concepts to do with intersectional feminism, which I think is something in this current new wave of feminism that we're seeing that we perhaps haven't seen in the past. Intersectionality with regards to race, LGBTQ issues, age, size. I know you mentioned that you have to get extra creative and uh, dabble in fashion on the side. Tell me about what you're wearing today in terms of how that relates back to feminism, not just talking to you as a clothes horse. So, uh, look, thank you. It's wonderful to be here as a, as a model. Um, <laughs> here's, the, here's the truth. So I was born big and I was much taller than all of my other friends and I never fit into children's clothes. And I was a fat kid and I thought there was something wrong with being a fat kid. I thought I'd done something wrong for a lot of my life, being the size that I was. And I make sort of no comment or judgment or um, I'm not even curious about um, commenting on weight or obesity, except for the fact that my whole world has always forced me to do that. I'm a woman in public and I've often, I, I, I love saying these days that I am proud of my piano accordion of a body. You know, it's changed up and down the scale, um, you know, the, the, the musical scale, but the whole of my life. And I've only come to accept that really since becoming a mother myself and seeing what a miracle this thing is that we call a body and not, not judging it as much. But it means, you know, I'm a size 16 to 18. So for most of my life, I've walked into clothing shops and I've had trouble finding goddamn underpants, let alone a couture dress that fits me for an event like this, which is a celebration of the release of this beautiful song. So I did a little workaround. I've got quite a few friends who are fashion designers and um, these days great brands, you know, Obis and Gorman and Triffany Trelaw. There are all these wonderful brands in Melbourne who, who dress me and they do make larger sizes, but sometimes I see something special that I want. So a girlfriend brought home some material from India, which is a Frida Kahlo-esque um, colourful style of dress. And I saw a dress that I wanted that didn't fit me. I drew a design of it, changed things around a little, and then had a beautiful dressmaker in Bali make it for me. Um, and I that's what I do with my clothing. I often get lovely questions about my clothing and I have to say, well, sometimes we have to DIY us curvy girls, and that's A-OK. Well, until businesses take note, because there's money to be made. We are a viable market here. And and actually, it's, you know, with the, with the work of someone like Ashley Graham, I think we undermine um, the role that models play sometimes. We've blamed them for the fact that we live in a society that is sizist and ageist and sexist and other things. Uh, actually, they are women working in the world, and we're only just starting to allow them to tell a fuller story by allowing them, you know, by letting them um, be who they are in the clothes that they wear. So it's changing. Online online shopping, again, I'm not much of a consumer, to be honest. I don't, uh, I make quite a point to try not to be a consumer, but I like to feel great in what I wear and that's possible now. 
I mean, obviously, you're using your platform to get the message out, empowering women filmmakers to make videos like the one for woman. What can we do as individuals, do you think, to help push feminism, to help push inter intersectional causes out there? Okay, so the first thing we can do is just open our eyes and tell the truth. So for a long time, we were, as working women, encouraged to pretend that we could do it all or pretend that it was possible or even plausible or admirable to do it all. And I think more and more, you know, reality has a way of creeping in, thank goodness. And we're hearing more people's stories about the ways that they have counted themselves out or felt counted out. What we can do as feminists, feminists being, you know, people who believe in, in our daughters having the same opportunities as our sons in the world, is just open our eyes and see that everywhere we look, we are curating stories. You know, when we have a film clip where we only have white young women, it's not that the white young women have done anything wrong. Uh, it's that that's not a true representation of who we are. So I think our call as feminists, as people who care, is to keep encouraging a truer story through the work that we do. And that's what I try to do with my art. I don't choose Lucy Knox because she's a girl. I choose her because she's a fucking genius. You know, I don't have Zanny um, or Aluka, who you hear on this song, um, performing alongside... Um, our guitarist Andre or our drummer Marty or pianist because they're any better. It's because these are excellent performers and we need to live in a world where we have opportunities available for everyone regardless of their sexuality, even regardless of their opinion. You know, I think mm. it's a-okay to have one's opinion, but when we curate loud voices to dominate with drama, we're missing the goddamn point. Hey, well, that's a point that I think is missed time and time again, is that sometimes women are demonized for not having the quote-unquote right idea when it comes to the correct approach to feminist issues. I think ultimately it's all about individuals, right? Correct. Let a woman succeed, let a woman fail, let it be on her merits. And do you know the thing is, this, this is where intersectionality and the conversation around it is so important. It's been happening all of these years, but we've allocated it to the fringes. We haven't taken into account that, yes, um, I might have a voice in my head that tells me I'm too big. And yes, it's my responsibility to talk back to that voice. But guess why I have that voice? Because I'm a human being with a survival brain and I've grown up in a world where I don't see myself represented. And it is no wonder that a 15-year-old me was telling herself that her songs weren't right because she couldn't hear them on the radio and her body wasn't right because she couldn't see her size represented in popular culture. So it is both society's responsibility and our responsibility as humans. We work in, we work intersectionally. And here's the other part about that that song and what we're saying is we have a lot of guilt. Uh, I'm, I, I, I identify I'm a deeply privileged woman. I live in Australia with healthcare. My children are well. Um, I have employment. I have friendship. I have access to housing. There's so much, so many women like me who want to do more and have no idea how to work with the system to do more. And again, intersection, intersectionality means that our politicians, our musicians, um, our business people, we all need to be having the conversation together and include the people who need or require the help, include the people who are being left out. That's difficult. That create, We need a lot of space to do something like that. 
and it's awkward and it feels awkward and we worry we're going to do the wrong thing. We're going to patronise someone or we're going to belittle someone or we're going to um, dominate or we just have to take the risk. You know, the worst that someone can call you for trying to do good in the world is an arsehole and who gives a fuck? You've got to keep trying. <laughs> I look forward to that album. Is that, is that the name? Yeah. <laughs> what was it again? The Yeah, who gives a fuck? I, I don't know. Look, <laughs> this album, um, this song is from... An album, and not all the the songs on the album, um, which won't be out for another year, um, are of this theme, but they're all on a similar theme, which is trying to make space for stories that we haven't heard in the world. And how does it feel to hear your songs back on the radio after a seven-year break? I mean, you said you came up with this song four years ago. Have you just been itching to get it out there? Yes, I have. What's what's it been like seven years away from from the music scene? Or do you feel like you haven't been Mm. away from it? No, I've definitely been away from it. Um, And... It's been a return to a life that has routine and has balance. Um, I've been raising my children, my teenage now, tween age too, but I have three kids and I wanted to listen to myself. I was tired from 10 years of touring. I'd release an album every 18 months for years in a row in between having children and um, trying to balance a, a touring career in a country as small as Australia and then in a continent as big as Europe. And everything, after I did the winter I chose happiness, I had to take a little dose of my own medicine and say, okay, I'm terrified that if I stop now, it's all over for me. I never got there. This is what the voice in my head said. I never got there. I never had the hit. You know, all around me, my friends are having these big hits, global goddamn hits. Um, and there's a voice in my head that told me that unless I keep pushing now, I'll always miss that opportunity. Sitting with myself and reflecting, I realized I don't care if I miss that opportunity. It's actually not important to me. What important to, what is important to me is I have my health. Um, I'm there for my children with my husband. Um, and that I do things in the world that mean something to me. And so I needed to stop and just work out what is it that means something to me. And in that time, I got to launch a beautiful love project called Big Heart of Business, which is about teaching creative people about business and business people about creativity. So that was a gap I saw, kept seeing wonderful, sensitive people just getting, you know, losing their, not being able to work in corporate environments because they have, you know, no room to talk about mental health and artists who don't know how to make any money and can't keep making their art. So that was wonderful. That took over for years. It was meant to be a couple of months. And then I took a job similar to yours, you know, where I got to have really interesting conversations. I wasn't saying I was, but, you know, I got to talk (laughs) with people who I wanted to learn from for two years on on the Australian Broadcasting Company, uh, (laughs) Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Um, That was an honour. But but music did not stop calling me. So have all these other pursuits influenced your music? Yes, absolutely. Um, Well, these songs are written in the middle of those pursuits. So what you hear, um, this honesty that I'm able to express with um, the self-doubt and with the rage that I've had, which is all clear in this song, is not just my own. You know, I met that day after day in conversation with other people who were showing up in the world and trying to do what they do, trying to make a little difference, trying to make something beautiful. So that's all in there. And I realized the same was true of the fact that, you know, I 
hear a lot of songs about the start of a love affair and I hear a lot of songs about the end and I heard jack shit about this bit in the middle, this messy bit in the middle where we've got the kids and the goddamn dog, he's wiping his ass on the cover. What are we going to do? You know, I'm trying <laughs> to make something in the world, make out of pay the bills and where's that song? You know, where's the song about the the six months where you don't have sex because you can't even fucking stand that side of each other? And where's the story about that? you know, beautiful month where you reconnect as a couple after years and years. Like, where's all of that? And that's, the you know, um, God forbid my husband um, is listening to this and thinks. Oh, he is, he's just outside. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, all, so let's, let's talk for a real minute about the true story. My husband and I, uh, his name is Marty. He started as my drummer when we were 21 years old. And by 26, 27, we were a family and in love. He's my producer. He's my drummer. He's my manager. We do everything together. We needed some time as a couple to just be a couple who didn't work together all the time too. And I think, yep, considering what a wonderful time we had in Sydney last night on our date night, um, it's worked very well. Woohoo! Well, hey, what have been some big shocks about this middle time, about this child-rearing time? People are told you're going to experience love you never knew you could and yep. you're not going to sleep and yep. you kind of learn to expect those things. But how is the reality married up to expectations and what have been the big shocks that we need to be talking about so the next chick isn't side-blinded? Side I think we're doing pretty well these days in terms of this conversation in terms of truth-telling, we're getting much, much better at it. And again, that's thanks to the fact that technology has changed and power structures are changing. We're able to now tell stories ourselves without going through the mediator of, um, you know, of popular culture, right? So that's what we get from social media. And we look to women like Emma Shiano and Constance Hall and, um, you know, whoever it is, like just women who are showing us a reality that we haven't seen before, which I appreciate. What, what are some women empowerment anthem songs that uh, get you really pumped up and inspired? Um, look, I'm just like every, I'm only, a, I'm only human. I can't hear Beyonce without, you know. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> How can I not? You know, the little Beyonce in me comes out crying out. But I also get a lot of strength from the delicate songs of someone like Olivia Cheney or from Holly Throsby, um, you know, and I get a lot of... Uh, a lot of strength still from going back to those Joni Mitchell albums and those Ricky Lee Jones albums where, you know, these are not women that we hear on the radio now for some reason, um, for, for obvious reasons, you know, they just didn't fit into the idea of what we thought women should, women should be. But you can't go, you know, you can't undermine the influence of Patti Smith. You can't undermine the influence, um, you know, of, of great, great Australian women. There's Katie Noonan, there's Sia, there's... Um, Greta Ray, I, I, I've been listening to a lot and really enjoying lately. And, you know, Tando, um, God, there's some Mojo Juju. There's some such exciting music coming out right now. So I think there's no shortage of um, geniuses. And we're so, so lucky to live in these times. But you asked before, what story should we be telling mm. about women and motherhood? When I became a mum at 26, it coincided with and it's no coincidence that I decided to stop playing small with my music career and actually give it a crack. So I had been writing songs from three and playing in bands from 16, but it took me until I was 26 and about to become a mother to go, oh crap, either I'm in or I'm out. And if I'm in, here's what I accept. 
it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to feel nothing like I imagined it would feel. I'm going to have occasional moments where I get to walk on stage, very occasional, walk on stage and take an award. And the rest of the time, it's actually going to be messy and it's going to be a slog and I'm going to have to keep counting myself in for the rest of my life. And the way I do that is I've got an audience who now tell me they need me. They are the ones who encourage me. I love that. I mean, you do have a unique perspective versus some of the artists we speak to here who are at the beginning of their exciting career. Because God you've, bless them. Because you've had so many exciting <laughs> careers and you keep you keep coming out with more and more amazing music, more and more amazing ideas. So what have you observed? How have things changed? The only story I can tell is my story because there are a billion different perspectives on this. So I'll, I'll just tell you what I hmm. observed. One of the reasons it took me so long to get serious about my music career and to follow what I knew I was called to do first, you know, I wrote this song Amazing Life about all the things I wanted to do, but you got to do start with just one thing. My one thing was always going to be music. I didn't feel that I would have the right of reply. So that was one of the problems. I thought that I would if, if I took a wrong step or made a mistake or if I didn't, you know, pan out to be successful, that was it. You had one chance. And that was just to do with the way power was structured in those days. We had a few radio stations. We had a few record companies. You had to please them and make money for them. Otherwise, you didn't count. Okay. And I understand commerce. There's no, you know, again, it wasn't my... I didn't like those environments. I didn't belong in those environments, but I make no judgment about them. That is how a lot of the work of the world rolls out. I thank goodness that has changed. That is what has changed. So when I saw the example of John Butler and Nani DeFranco and the waifs, and they said, we're going to do it ourselves. We're going to go to you directly because now we have email lists and now we have social media and we're going to show we're going to care for you as an audience, you know. That is what's changed. I saw Courtney Barnett the other day get on stage. I was there with my daughter at the, you know, one of the music festivals in Melbourne. Courtney gets up and she rips out some killer songs just to see a woman with guitar doing what she does is, you know, mind-blowing. Oh, yeah. She's enthralling. She is. And I knew her as the the bartender at my local bar. You know, I had no idea she had this hidden talent for years. I just thought, what an awesome woman. Um, I see that. And she says, hey, crew, just want to say, is everyone keeping an eye out for each other? Can you let that guy through? You know, there was a, there was a chap who um, was differently abled and was having trouble seeing. And make sure that everyone keeps an eye on each other today and then rips into the next song. We just didn't see something like that at a music festival, you know, 15 years ago. It did, they just, everything's changed. It's cool to be kind now. But at the same time, I think that's kind of pushed the bullies onto social media. Obviously, social media is the ultimate right of reply in this day and age. Are you more excited by it or scared of it? I mean, By social media? Yeah, especially as the, the mother of impressionably aged children. I couldn't give a fuck what people think of me. <laughs> like in terms of people I don't know who aren't in the arena. I'm very much back to the Teddy Roosevelt. It's not the critic accounts. I like learned colleagues who give me feedback about what I could be doing better or ways that I've misstepped. I make mistakes all the time and it's my friends and colleagues and, um, you know, other people who are in the arena with me who I take feedback from. But I don't give a fuck what a keyboard warrior has to say about me. This is one of the beautiful things about having worked at the ABC and sitting there with a a text line that rolls. We're doing live radio. I'm speaking to over a million people a week. Everyone has their opinion on, you know, 
how they could have done it better and how I pronounce this word incorrectly. And it threatened to crush me in those first few months. I could not believe people could be so, had so much energy that Mm. they could try and take me down for being who I was in the world. And gradually, mm, then it just stopped registering. So people, I teach my kids this, people will have all sorts of opinions of you. But it's an old saying that, you know, other people's opinions um, are none of my business. You know, I think it's an old 12-step saying. God bless 12-step for all your beautiful sayings in the world. And I believe that. I can't let it stop me and I don't let it stop me and why would I? I mean, it sounds like some of your most exciting experiences have been things that you didn't necessarily set out with the plan to do. But tell me, what are those big goals still on the table? You must feel such renewed enthusiasm now. You're back at it. You're working on the album. You're going to be touring. What is it, in May? Yeah, we're going to come out and tour in May. And there's something that my audiences and I have been doing since the very beginning of time, which is we've been singing together. They know that, I, I, you know, before I was a pop musician, I was a community singing leadership teacher. I used to get out there and teach people who didn't think they could sing that they could sing. Basically, if you can talk, you can sing. So that's what I always love. We get together in a room. People have a few drinks or not. It's dark. They can mime if they want, but we get to, not only do we get to play our own songs on stage, which is great, all the old hits, guys. Um, but now we get to sing together and I get to have a conversation to their inner critics and remind them that I'm not up on stage because I'm any more special than them. So that's the great pleasure for me now that I do get to be bolder about that work in the world. You know, you can get trapped sometimes in your indie muso, um, trying to please these people and those people. And am I too this and I'm too that, or am I not indie enough? Am I too pop? Don't give a fuck anymore. Just there to have a good time. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. And one of the really big things I'm looking forward to doing in October is releasing my first book. I was about to get to that, your memoirs. What what, what is that like to write? It must be really exciting until you sit down and then realize it's very confronting. Thank you. Yes, that's exactly it. And and (laughs) when you're writing it, do you have anyone in mind? Are you writing it as a diary for your kids, for your fans? Oh, great questions. And yes, all of the above. Um, This is really a set of stories that tells the stories behind the songs, the early songs, songs or, you know, the, the songs that have carried on. It's a memoir of a particular age, and it's really the age before anyone had heard of a singer called Claire Bowditch. And I know for some of you, you're just hearing me of me for the first time today. Hello, and welcome to our little squad. You're very welcome to follow me from now on. Um, but the, the truth is, these stories, uh, my stepping out into public didn't come easy. Um, and I've had such a strong internal critic for so much of my life that it was very, very likely I would have stayed working at the call centre in Footscray that I was in when I was 22. And that's a story I always promised myself I'd one day tell, but if hey, I got through it. You you were there and now you're a master on a microphone. So oh, yeah, it baby. definitely was a stepping stone. Good afternoon, Mountain Does Telecommunications. My name's Claire. How can I help you? That was <laughs> it. That's what I did day after day after day. And I had some friends there who worked in the call centre with me and they'd always say, you realise you're maybe better suited to the creative arts. Do you realize that? And I'd be like, don't be ridiculous. I could never make it in music. But I um, needed to tell that story. In in the nicest way possible. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us more about your website, about oh. your business, about your personal endeavors. And the particular thing on the website that caught my eye was 
true love after children. I mean, everything you do is just coming from love and passion, isn't it? I learned really early on that life is short and we need to live it well and we may as well wear our hearts on our sleeve. Um, and the worst that we can do from, the worst that can come from that is, you know, that we keep counting ourselves out. Um, and I just feel like I've just built a brand new website. I did it myself this time. This oh. is the, the brand new Claire Bowditch website. It's just I, new skills and talents coming out every minute. Would you I'm know, so blown away. Do you know early on that you might, you might, you will know this feeling? So sometimes at the start of your career, yeah. Because I don't, I can't look at you and see what you have gone through to be able to do what you're doing right now. But I suspect it's a lot. And I remember at the start of my career when we had no money and no chance and no fans and no everything. All I knew was I'm gonna, we're going to build a website and we're going to get a mailing list and we're going to sing songs and we're going to see what happened. And that hungry feeling that you have early on when you got no one on your team um, is very galvanizing. Mm. And I realized I want to make my own website again. I want to do something that's very hard for me again. I want to remember what it's like not to be comfortable. I mean, do you think that winning a Logie, winning an Aria, <laughs> do you think that they gave you more wind in your sails or that maybe they gave you cause to to sit and be a bit of a, a hare versus tortoise there for a little while. <laughs> um, look, I think the fact that I was nominated for a Logie but did not win is a thorn in oh my gosh, side. Oh, I'm so no, sorry to bring um, that up. Just bring it up again. In, in, in the um, wrong why don't way. You? Oh, yeah, there we go. You're a winner right in our enough. book, Claire. <laughs> Thanks, babe. <laughs> we love the offspring. Here's the true. Here's the true story. When you win an ARIA, you get paid more and you get more opportunities and you get the, you know, your peers have voted you in and that's all wonderful. And that's about uh, 0.777, like nothing. That's a, such a small part of um, the reality of what you do. It's 0.000007. So although those things are lovely, the next year there's a new winner and you still have to fight for your relevance the whole time. And so you should. That's the way it is. If you're, as an artist, not serving your community and not speaking their voice or not telling a truth, you're not working hard enough, you know, and it should never be that way. I've forgotten your question. What was it? <laughs> I went on a spiel. Success. And then, um, I mean, does success, oh, does success give you more motivation or oh, I have to be honest, more poles to assimilate? So every every level of success that we get to, we always have a new point of comparison. So, okay, um, you, you can look at me uh, based on my bio of the best 10 things that I ever did and make an assumption about success. But in my mind, you know, I'm the girl who was the opening act for Leonard Cohen or I'm the girl who toured with Gautier just before he did um, somebody that I used to know. I'm the girl who Sia, Sia and I were supposed to write songs together, um, her in LA and me in Melbourne. She didn't show up because she got some other appointment because, oh, that's right, she was just about to have a global hit. So my mind can always go to all the stories of, of ways that I haven't made it yet. My job as an artist is not to care whether I make it yet or ever make it. Um, I've got to, I see the folly in the award systems. You know, I sit there at the Aries with everyone else. Everyone's just going, what are we doing? You know, what, what is this? Okay, it's a gathering of communities, so that's good. But it doesn't mean anything. What, does, what means something to me is, you know, it means something for that night and it means something real in the world in terms of pay and respect. But it doesn't help the woman that I'm thinking of or the, the boy that I'm thinking of when I'm writing the book or the writing the song, they're the ones I want to connect with. 
And do you want to go back to acting or um, it sounds like you really want to be authentic at this stage <laughs> in your career? I, not, not that acting isn't authentic. It's a wonderful craft. But of course, then you're being someone else under the direction of someone else off a script that yet another person wrote. So, Well, that's w- well said. And luckily, we've got some brilliant writers here in Australia. But the truth is, I um, would walk in, if I went on a television show or a movie set today, I don't have the right to... Um, have any say over whether my character is true or not. And at this moment in time, i got so much going on with these songs and with these babies that I'm raising and with this book. I've got enough, you know. I I think it would be foolish to try and do all things all the time, which is what I've been doing. I've got two projects in terms of work. I've got some writing to do and I've got some songs to sing. And I reckon that's, that's going to three be... kids and a husband. <laughs> So she, she, she's yeah. keeping it small, guys. She's keeping it small. <laughs> we have to mention the husband, though. He hates it when I do this, but um, it's really important to say we're a two-person band. Um, every single success that I've had is thanks to the fact that I have a husband who is like a walking frontal lobe. You know, he's just the king of organisation and structure, and it allows me to be who I am and do what I do best. So... You don't need, you need community. It doesn't matter if it's your partner or a manager, whoever it is. We cannot do it alone. We need other fellow travellers along the road. Well, we are so excited to see what you and your tribe do next. Guaranteed you're going to reach a whole new wealth of young fans now with this latest anthem, Woman. It is spectacular. Hopefully old ones too. Aren't old ones. I I think we're already on the train. (laughs) There's so space for for new carriages. Why do we have to finish this chat? I've had such a good time I with you. I know. Thank here. you. That touches my heart. Before I well up, we will have to go <laughs> to the closure. Look, we have to catch up again soon. You're touring in May. Can't yeah. wait to hear the album next down. year. Come sing with us. Oh, my, I'll, I'll be there. Okay, great. Count me in. And, woman, um, woman, I see yeah, you. Reconsider the name of that album. I think you came up with a good one earlier. What? It'll <laughs> definitely get you some good press Sorry, anyway. I swore so much. <laughs> Not at all. These are passionate times. <laughs> Woof. So, Claire, gosh, again, thank you a billion for being on the show today. It's been a pleasure. Guys, the song is a banger and it's got some good power behind it. It's got some meaning. It's available now across all the platforms. It's Claire's first single in seven years. So let's show her that we're so excited to have her back. Stream it, download it, play it as much as you can. Also, you can check out some behind-the-scenes images from today's show. See this beautiful dress we were talking about earlier on the Women in Pop Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter pages. Just search Women in Pop. And issue six of the magazine is coming soon, so stay tuned to our social media pages for more updates. You can also go to womeninpop.com to find out more and order your copy. That's all from us today, but we will be back soon. Thank you for listening, as always. And until next time, goodbye, be good. Be good.